This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. What is up, everybody? Derek Dernberger here with The Break Podcast. Do you even remember this podcast? Because it has been a long, long time since we've done one of these. In fact, it was right at a year ago at the 2020 SHOT Show was the last podcast we did. And if it weren't for COVID wreaking havoc on this country, I would be in Las Vegas right now working the SHOT Show for Browning Trail Cameras. But I'm not. I'm sitting here in my home office dusting off this podcast equipment because we're going to get some of these podcasts going again. Um, Normally, this time of year, I'm at the ATA show in early January. I'm at SHOT Show mid-January. And we're doing live podcasts there, talking to our partners, uh, releasing their new products. I get Tom Rainey from Browning Trail Cameras. He helps me co-host it at these trade shows and he's talking to his other TV partners and just seeing how their season went and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of good information about the product releases and then give you a little insight to, you know, what these TV shows are doing behind the scenes and how their season went and things like that. So it's, uh, it's sad that we're not there doing all these things because, you know, it is, it's fun. It's a lot of work for me and Jeremy and Carl who helped me there. Um, but it, you know, it's a ton of work, but it's a ton of fun. And especially getting to see all the other TV show people, the hunting TV industry people, you know, you really only get to see them once a year. And then that's, and that's at ATA show and shot show. So not being there to hang out with those guys. Yeah, it sucks, but that's all right. We're going to make the best of it, but yeah, getting this podcast gear going because since we can't do the live meeting live with our partners at ATA and shot, we're going to have to do it over the phone. So, and we're going to do that. We're going to talk to a lot of our partners about their new products because some of them are very, very exciting. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do some of those here in the coming weeks and uh, release them out for you. You can find a lot of the information online at all our partners' websites, but it's good to hear the people that are involved with creating these products and releasing them, let them tell us about them. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. So every year, though, I always intend to do more podcasts. I'd love to bring them to you on a regular basis at least – once a month, but preferably once a week. But 2020, man, it was just a crazy, crazy year for me. I mean, if you've watched the Break TV show or you've even listened to one of these podcasts before, I've talked about what my job is. I mean, I'm a, I have a normal job. I work on the railroad and I'm on call 24 7, 365 days a year. Um, my schedule is just so random that it's hard to do one of these. To top that off, I've got the TV show. I did most of the editing this year. Um, I subcontract that out when I can. Um, but if, you know, it's it costs, I guess. So sometimes I've got to do it myself um, just to, to make all this stuff work, make the TV show work. So 
I had did a lot of editing this year. Um, that was taking a ton of time. Of course, you know, we have a hunting TV show, so I got to do some hunting. Um, that's taking up time. And then on top of that, I'm involved in real estate now. I started a, a real estate company with a, with a partner, um, a uh, United Realtree United Country agency in southeast Missouri and we'll soon be in southern Illinois too by the way but uh, yeah our company is uh, on point properties and auction uh, we're a united country branch division agency whatever you want to call it brokerage um, so yeah that is taken up <laughs> as the the what's left of the very little time I have available so um, yeah I haven't had time to do any of these podcasts but I'm hoping that I'm going to have some breaks here and I can do some of these. At least over the next few weeks, I'll be able to do a handful of these, if not more. So, And hopefully continue it throughout the year of 2021 regularly. We'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that the real estate thing, real estate thing kicks off and uh, I can leave this stupid railroad because it's terrible. Anyways, I digress. So 2020... Um, let's talk about hunting because that's what the TV show is all about. And that's what I like to have this podcast be all about is hunting and hunting related. Instead of me getting on rambles about how the railroad sucks to work. So 2020, my hunting season, it was, how do I explain it? It was pretty good in some aspects, really good in some aspects, but other things, man, it was, it was my worst ever. Um, I'll just start in April. Cause I haven't, I haven't talked to you about anything since then. So you don't know what I've done this hunting season, unless you're following the break TV page and maybe you saw some pictures, but let's start with Turkey season in the spring. It was, so 2019 was my best year ever. Um, I hunted three States and killed four birds which is good. Killed in Illinois, two birds in Missouri, and killed a bird in Indiana. So, again, my best year ever. I never killed four birds in a season. Most I ever killed was two. So, or maybe I killed three. I think I killed three a couple years ago. Anyways, 2019 was my best year ever. 2020 was my worst year ever. I uh, didn't kill a single bird. Um, to be honest, I don't think I was first on the gun at all because we just couldn't get it done. Um, so Joe Hain, the turkey professor, and I, we hunted together basically every day during the 2020 turkey season. Um, we had Tom Rainey come in early season. Well, let me start it off. We started on, in Illinois. Um, we both drew over there, and we didn't kill anything. We had... We were on birds almost every day, but uh, we just couldn't close a the deal. They, we couldn't close them. You know, we never got within 100 yards of them. It, the woods were wide open because it was the first season, early season. We couldn't make moves on birds. Um, yeah, and we just couldn't get it done. Five days of hunting from daylight to 1 p.m. when the day was over, and we couldn't get it done. We go into Missouri. We have Tom Rainey come in from Browning Trail Cameras. He come in to hunt with us, and it's typically a one-and-done, one-day-and-done for him. 
Uh, we ended up getting it done for him. Finally, on that third morning, uh, he killed one. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. That first opening morning um, didn't have very much success that first opening morning in Missouri with Tom. We were walking, so off the roost we didn't have success. So we started walking one of our farms or one of Joe's leases and uh, coming through a thicket. Joe looks out into a field. We heard a gobble. We moved in on him, heard a gobble, moved in on him. Joe looks out into a field, and he was right there at 40 yards, was about to bust him. So I'm – Joe's leading the way. Rainey's behind him. I've got the camera third in line. Joe jumps, looks out in the field. There it is, shoots it <laughs> with – you know, as it's running away. Hey, he was having a frustrating year, so he shot that bird. We didn't get it on camera, obviously, and – Tom didn't get the shot at it. Joe's said that it was going to be gone before Tom could get up there and shoot it anyway. So, and it would have. So Joe killed, didn't get it on camera. Then we get into the third day. Finally, Tom and I were hunting together. Joe took his, his son out with him, but uh, Tom and I were hunting together and we, we sat right up on the roost. We, we figured they were roosting where they were. Joe had scouted it out and, we knew where that bird was roosting, so Tom and I slipped in there tight, and it flew down off the roost right into our lap at 25 yards, and and Tom killed him five seconds after he hit the ground. So that was a good hunt. But for me, Joe and I hunted every day since then together, and neither one of us could kill. I was always always carried the camera, ran the camera, because I wanted to get Joe's kill on camera before I started hunting, and it got to where – you know, I was always second on the gun. Always had the camera first, so it was tough. Joe didn't kill the rest of the year. I didn't kill, so Joe killed one bird. I killed zero. Horrible turkey season. Um, you know, and then COVID canceled hunts. We didn't go to Indiana because of COVID. Um, so, you know, not much we can do there. Um, turkey season was over. A big bust. I went on in June. I went down to Gravick Ranch um, for an axis deer hunt. We took a veteran down there for the Neistat Foundation, and I videoed him. He killed a, a real good buck that first day, and then once he killed, um, I started hunting as well, and I ended up killing a real nice buck as well. So that was a, that was a good hunt. Um, it was good to get those veterans out there and get that kill on camera, and then I got my first axis buck, so that was cool. Um, you know, I don't know how you score axis deer, but it looked big to me. I'm getting it mounted. Hopefully, I'll have it here soon. Um, summer was fairly well, – I didn't do anything else that summer. Um, then we get into September. We hosted a Neistat Foundation dove hunt here in southeast Missouri, and even that was tough. It was – you know, normally where I hunt, I hunt on a – high school buddy of mine's place and normally it's a limit by 7 seven thirty in the morning this year it was just horrible weather it was foggy early you know you couldn't see the birds at all you could hear them flying by you but you could never you couldn't find them in the fog you by the time you saw them they were already by and gone so it was tough finally the fog lifted about eight thirty. And then we could start seeing birds to shoot. And I think I killed 
8 that morning, and then the rain set in about 10, and then it poured down rain until the afternoon, and then I went back out in the afternoon, and I scratched out one short of my limit on an all-day hunt, which is, again, not regular. Normally, it's a 7.30 limit, so that was a tough day. You know, dove season here in Missouri, it lasts, you know, it's really opening day is is uh, all it's really worth to hunt. Other than that, you're just sitting there and you're sitting all day to kill one or two birds to get a shot at one or two birds. It's it's tough. So that was uh, that was a tough year, but it's fun. I always love dove hunting, man. And, and again, getting those veterans out there to hunt with you, that's cool too. Um, we get into October, and I'm headed back out to Hooker Mountain Outfitters again. This year, well, in 2019, my dad went – it was just my dad and I and then a couple of my cousins. Uh, I killed a good bull. My dad killed the biggest bull of that week, actually, um, on opening week of firearm season. He killed the biggest bull of the week. So it was a good time. Now, this year, my brother went with me, and one of my dad's friends went along. My dad didn't hunt. He just went along to be the camp chef, so just to hang out, but... We all went. My brother killed opening morning. Made a good shot on a on a legal bull. I think it was about 360 yards. Um, but yeah, perfect shot. Dropped his bull, and then I videoed the rest of the week until the last couple days. Um, there was enough people that had killed and opened up some spots, so I started hunting. My brother started videoing me, and I ended up killing a, a good bull not quite as big as the year before but still a good five by five bull it was uh it was a cool hunt you, that'll be a really good episode that you'll have to tune into on the break in well in 2021 this year so it'll be we'll air that in july of this year on pursuit channel so be sure you tune into that one because it was a good hunt um november we get into deer hunting and Man, it was an up-and-down season. So it was super hot in November, late October, early November. I hunted quite a bit because I hunted, well, I hunted at the house a lot. So this year, my intentions were to not hunt behind the house because we had one buck that was a good buck um, on camera all summer. Probably at the time I was figuring he was, you know, 140s, mainframe eight with some stickers, big, you know, tall, wide, good beam, just a real good frame buck, good brows. And we've had pictures of him for four years. He started as a two-year-old as an eight-pointer. Um, that would have been 2016, I guess. I knew he was a young buck. Well, in 2017, he jumped up to a 10-point. And I was guessing he was a three-year-old, knowing that he was going to be a great buck. I quit hunting at the house because I wasn't going to be tempted to shoot him. He was a mid-130s, three-year-old, 10-point. And I just knew that if he could live one or two more years, he could potentially be a, you know, the first booner that we kill at the house. Well, the next year, he, his frame got bigger. So in 2019, his frame got bigger but he dropped a point. So he was a nine point in 2019. 
Still a really good frame. I thought, well, hopefully I didn't hunt at the house again because I didn't want to be tempted to shoot him. I was really wanting my dad to kill him because he was about a 149-pointer that year in 2019. Well, my dad never got an opportunity. He ended up killing a good buck, um, a five-year-old, eight-point. Not a, Didn't score very much at all. Wasn't real wide, but it was fairly tall, but just a brute of a deer. He killed it in 2019, so that was good. Then again, I quit hunting at the house, so I didn't want to be tempted to shoot that that nine point because if he would grow his frame bigger again, he could be 160 as a nine point the next year. Well, I got a picture of him in January of nine, uh, January of 20 actually, um, and he was limping, and I thought, well, crap, that I hope that doesn't mess with his rack going into the next year so he ended up making it i got pictures of him in august and he had he dropped down to an eight pointer and he grew out real wide he was uh, just real wide um but his tines you know they just didn't grow and i knew he's a five-year-old deer so it was it was time to hunt him and i really wanted my dad to kill him so again i didn't hunt at the house didn't plan on hunting at the house well then we got another buck on camera a real big body another five-year-old um nine point didn't have a huge you know a big frame it wasn't wide but it was a pretty compact rack heavy and decent time length um just not the beams didn't seem you know they weren't real real long they weren't it wasn't real wide wasn't real long but he was a good buck. So my sights were set on him. I decided I'm going to hunt at the house and I'm going to hunt this buck. So bow season, again, it was just hot. My dad crossbow hunted, I bow hunted. I let him pick the stand he wanted to hunt. Generally, we got most of these bucks on camera on what I call the gate plot, um, the corner of the pasture by the gate that block you know that goes out into the woods so i got a clover plot just on the other side of the pasture fence um so we got a banks blind sitting there it's a great spot it's kind of a pinch point in the woods as well so deer travel through there a lot and those bucks there's a natural scrape there that's there every single year that they well, they hit every single year. So I've got so many trail cam picks of both bucks hitting that scrape. I've also got a, a hodag licking stick. So what that is, the hodag system, it's a spring system that you put into the ground. And then you go cut off a sapling or a limb or something. And you put it into this. It stands up and deer lick on this thing and bucks will rub on it. And it's kind of in the middle of that food plot, so it draws their attention, and they they really hit it hard. So every deer that comes in to this gate plot, they'll eventually go to either the licking stick or the scrape. So Dad hunted there most of the time. When he couldn't hunt or he just wanted to change the scenery, then I would sit in there. Um, so one evening, I was hunting in there, and that bank's blind. Dad couldn't go. So I went, I can't remember where he's at. Anyways, he, was, he wasn't able to go. I was, just got off work, so I climbed in that evening. And it was hot. It was 
80 degrees, 75, 80 degrees that evening. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to back up one day. So the day before, I'm hunting in the same spot, and Dad couldn't go once again. Well, I had a little buck come out, a few little bucks come out into the into the clover plot, and I decided I was just going to go through my entire pre-shot routine or the entire shot sequence. So I ranged the deer, the buck that was standing right out there in the middle, and he was 25 yards. So I've got a single pin HHA, and I always have it set on 20. So I was just going to say, oh, I'm going to dial my sight in, go through the whole process. Well, it was low light. It was kind of late in the evening, and I only had two windows open. I had shades on all the other windows of the bank's blind, and it was pitch dark in there, and I realized that I couldn't see my tape, my yardage tape on my sight. So no big deal. I'm just practicing. I get my phone out, shine a little light on it, and I turn it to 25, and I said to myself, I'm just going to leave it on 25 because my licking stick, that hodag, is at 22, the scrape is at 28. All I have to do, if, if something comes to the, the licking stick, I hold a tiny bit low, a couple inches low. If it goes to the scrape, I hold a couple inches high, three inches high, and we're good. But, and you're thinking, well, it's 22 and 28. There shouldn't be that much of a difference. But I, I do shoot a heavy, heavy arrow. Like 505 is my arrow weight, so there is a fair amount of drop in that period, like four inches between 22 and, and 28. So, uh, that was the whole idea. Get it to 25 and aim lower, aim high, depending where it was at. So I had it set. No problem. I get down. No, nothing happens that evening. So I get out of there go, again, back in the same place that next evening. And it's hot. I'm really not even prepared to hunt. I just got off work. I'm a little bit tired. So I've been working all day, early morning till, you know, like early morning from 2 a.m. until when I got home and ran up to the stand. So I'm tired. I'm just messing around on my phone because nothing's happening. It's hot. And low light, I'm looking outside, outside one of the windows, and I see something moving down the logging road, and I see it was a deer. And I look up and it moves its head and I was like, oh my gosh, that's that nine pointer. The nine pointer is coming directly at me. And I knew instantly he's going straight to the scrape from the direction he was coming. And sure enough, he went straight to the scrape. I knew I didn't have time to dial my sight in. So I thought to myself, aim five inches high. Because I normally keep my sight on 20. Well, I didn't realize it. I never moved my sight back to 20 yards where I always keep it. I never moved it back from the night before when I set it on 25. So the buck came came out. He's over the scrape, standing perfectly broadside at 28 yards. I hold five inches high, and I hit almost exactly where I was aimed. Way high, super high shoulder. Instantly, I knew what happened. As I see him running away, I got a lighted knock. He's running away. The arrow is, you know, didn't get much penetration. It's sticking out of him. And instantly I knew. I was like, I forgot to, my sight was set on 25. Well, he runs away, and I see my lighted knock fall. I see him running up the hill into the, 
into the uh, woods. He's running up the next ridge, and I see the light of knock stop and fall backwards. And then it disappeared, so I thought maybe I got lucky and clipped an artery, and that buck is going to be laying right there. I didn't know, or the arrow just fell out. So I waited until about 10 o'clock that night, and then I went back out there, and I just walked into the woods a little bit. I was looking for blood at the at the point of impact, didn't find anything. Decided I was just going to walk into the woods a little bit and see if I could see that lighted knock. It was pitch black that night. Well, where he ran, there's a lot of underbrush, and where that arrow f- fell out, it must be under. It was under the underbrush, and I couldn't see it. I thought to myself, well, maybe he's laying there and he's laying on it. I'm just getting out of here. He'll be there in the morning if he's dead, and I'll recover him then. Well, the next morning we went out and found a little blood. My dad was helping me, and very, very little blood, and that blood ran out within 150 yards. So didn't recover him. And, man, you're talking about a sick feeling. That was the first buck that I've wounded and not recovered, that I've shot and not recovered. I think I've hit three does in my life that I didn't recover and two of them lived one of them I got shot the other two I hit in the shoulder um but all those were due to you know stretching my limits I you know a does out there at 50 yards or 60 yards and you know you you got to try it sometimes you know you you see where your limits are you practice I mean I practice at 70 80 100 yards a lot of times at the house so you know, I just started to push my limits hunting and, you know, shouldn't have, but whatever. Didn't recover those. But yeah, that was the first buck that I've hit and not recovered. And I was absolutely sick because you put so much time into preparation on your farm. You know, you do so much work planting food plots. You know, you, you put all your blinds out or you hang your stands. I mean, I hang, I hang stands that I don't even hunt. You know, I probably only hunt 50% of the stands that I hang because you never know where you might be, where you might need to be based on wind or based on where the deer are traveling that, that particular year, um, you know, what food plots they're hitting that particular year, what food sources. So you just never know. And then when you blow it, it's just a majorly sick feeling. So at that point, I had the buck that I wanted to the kill right in front of me I didn't do it I just quit hunting at the farm behind the house because I didn't want to tempt myself with a you know if that other our number one shooter come out the one that I want my dad to kill I didn't want to just tempt myself and and take that shot because it would be impossible to pass him so I started hunting Illinois and I said I wasn't going to hunt at the house unless I got a picture of the buck I shot so I went to Illinois and I hunted there two days in a row, and then I decided, well, I'm going to check cameras, you know, on the third day that morning, the third day after I shot my buck, and sure enough, I got a picture of him, and he was in the, I should have checked my cameras the next morning when I went out there and looked, but he was in the exact same food plot, the exact same spot that I shot him at 9.30 at night, so I shot him at right at dark, which that would have been, you know, 6.30, I think, at that time. And he was back there three hours later, 
even before I went there, probably I bumped him out of the food plot when I was driving up to look for my arrow that night. But he came back, and I it was a far shot, but I could see the blood kind of dripping down his shoulder. I could see the blood stain, but he was there. That was him, and... So at that point, I quit hunting Illinois, and I had some great bucks to hunt in Illinois this year, but I was 100% focused on killing the buck that I wounded. So I hunted, I shot, let's see, I made the shot, I shot him the Sunday before gun season. So I hunted, I shot him the Friday before gun season, discovered it the Sunday before gun season that I'd shot him, and I hunted Monday through Friday, every day at the house, trying to get on that buck, and I never had another opportunity. So then it's gun season in Missouri that Saturday morning. I'm hunting back up in the gate plot. My brother come in town to hunt, and we put a blind. I put another banks on the next ridge over, overlooking another food plot that we call the pumpkin patch because my dad planted pumpkins, um, this past spring so you know it's kind of it's a new food plot he worked it up planted pumpkins in and then we tilled it up and put a real deal uh g2 seeds mix in there that's one of our new partners real deal g2 seeds great seeds they did great but my brother hunted that food plot so we had that up that set up he hunted there and then my dad hunted in his condo blind behind his house overlooking standing corn so opening morning, I'm hunting there, and I see a buck to the, uh, would have been to the southeast of me, or I'm sorry, southwest of me, down by the big pond. We get, my dad's got about a four-acre lake on his, in his pasture, on his farm there. And I see this buck with a doe behind that levee, behind the pond levee, probably about 600 yards from me. So I'm watching this buck, and he's either going to go into our neighbor's woods, or he's going to walk up towards my brother. So I'm debating with myself whether or not I should potentially put a stock on that, put a stalk on him and try to get a shot at him. I would have had to climb down out of my stand. He's actually probably about 800 yards away. I'd have to climb down, run around the pasture, and then get on the, the water side of the levee and belly crawl over, over the, the edge of that levee and I'd have about a 150, 200 yard shot at him. So as I'm debating that he disappears behind the levee and I thought, well, crap, where did he go? Did he go into the neighbors? And I was expecting to hear a shot. I didn't know if they were hunting or not, but I was expecting to hear a shot. Well, then I look up into the pasture along the fence and he's headed right towards my brother. And I was like, yep, my brother is going to, he's going to be right in his lap at 50 yards here any minute. And so he topped the hill in the pasture and I heard the boom. And then my brother texted me and said, I think I shot a good one. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know. So we give it a little time cause he didn't see it go down. And then I walked up there and sure enough, he was laying right just inside the woods, right where I, or right where my brother shot him. And we looked at him and yeah, that was him. I hit him super high in the shoulder and forward a little bit too. Um, but if it were lower, it would have been, it would have been a you know a mortal mortal shot, fatal shot. But nevertheless, I hit him high in the shoulder. And my brother killed him, and that was definitely a relief. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't disappointed that I didn't finish the job on a buck that I wounded, but 
you know, I'm glad that he didn't die and, and go unrecovered from my shot. Um, and luckily enough, my brother killed him. And that was a, my, that was my brother's first good buck on our home farm. He's, he doesn't live around where we do. So it was, uh, it was good that he got him. I'm, I was stoked for him, but yeah, it was a nine point. He scored 138. Again, not, not a huge frame, but just, you know, compact and, the beams kind of went around and, you know, almost, they didn't almost touch, but they got within a couple few inches of touching the beam, beam tips. And, you know, he had good tines and good mass. So he was a, he was a good buck, a real good buck. I'd have been super happy to kill him. So then I was, well, I just went back to work. I had to get back to work. I went to work that evening and I actually made it back. I say, no, I hunted that evening. I went to work that night. I got back home early Sunday morning. I slept in, and then I hunted Sunday evening. Um, while I was gone to work that Sunday morning, my dad ended up killing. He uh, he called me and said, yep, I killed a 10-point. And instantly I thought, you mean that our number one shooter, the mainframe A, because I knew he had a couple stickers. I figured dad was counting him as a 10-point. He's like, no. A different one. So then I thought, well, there's a buck, a 150s 10 point that was about a mile south of us as the crow flies that some buddies had a, had a picture of him. I thought, well, maybe that guy moved up and dad killed him. So I asked him, that big 150s 10 point? He's like, no. And then uh, he sent me a picture and he ended up killing. It was a younger, younger buck. I would say he's probably just a two and a half year old, but he was a wide 10 point and my dad and my brother just got fooled by him. He looked bigger than he was when he was in the field, looked bigger bodied, bigger racked, everything. So a little bit of ground shrinkage on that. Uh, but you know, my dad killed a good buck. That was good. So when he killed, he's tagged out. My brother's tagged out. My son, Jack, I forgot about him. He killed a, uh, his first deer his first year hunting as well. He killed a little eight pointer at the house earlier that year. He's tagged out. My other two sons are, they got things going on with school. And so they're not hunting. So, you know, I said, well, everybody's tagged out. I'm going to start hunting again at the house during gun season. And I hunted hard, man. I sat most of the day every day. And then finally, I think it was on the Friday after gun season, I hunted, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and finally on Friday, I'm sorry, it was on Thursday because Illinois season started Friday. So I had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing. Thursday morning, I went out and sat. I was the only one sitting in the woods. So I sat in our banks blind that's in the center of the woods on the highest ridge in the on the on the property. And luckily enough, I saw a buck coming through a thicket instantly I knew it was a good one I didn't know which one it was turn the camera on threw my gun up shot it and ended up it was the big the big eight point our number one shooter so it was a it was a good finish to a very tough deer season I mean had I Ultimately, I would have liked to have killed that nine-pointer with my bow, and then my dad or my brother would have killed this big eight-pointer. 
but I don't know. It I almost feel like it was it, it was almost meant to be because I had encounters with that deer, you know, in years prior that I didn't I didn't shoot him. Um that I let him go, you know, especially when he was a 3-year-old, as a 3-year-old 10-pointer, I could have killed him and I let him go. Um just, you know, I knew he was going to be big. It was tough. I let him go. And then I quit hunting there at the house because I wanted my dad to kill him. But it all ended up, my dad shot his. I wounded that nine-pointer. My brother killed him. And it just so happened I got the shot at the the big one. But he was, he scored right at 150 as an eight-pointer with a couple stickers. So it was, uh, he was a great buck. I mean, my second biggest at the house, um, Gimp was my biggest. He's 168. But this one here in the one right at 150s. One well is 152 is what he scored. Um, mainframe eight with three scorable stickers that were from three inches down to one inch. So he's a good buck, man, a really good buck. And you know I'm super excited. That helped my season. But both Illinois was a bust. I could have killed a a buck similar to the buck I killed last year in Illinois, which was about a 142 inch nine point. I saw about a 140 inch frame eight or nine point whatever he was um, it was quick but I could have killed him I let him go because I just had some giants absolute giants that I was hunting in Illinois but it was every picture I got is at night so it's tough to hunt them at night legally that is so I didn't uh, didn't kill anything in Illinois this year so that was a bust but I got a, I did did get a good deer my goal every year is to kill a good buck I mean I want to put one on the wall every single year um, you know, so that's, that's what I try to do. I try to kill one from meat early on. Um, I didn't this year just because I didn't want to kill a doe at the house because we were so, kind of limited on does and I never had an opportunity to kill a doe in Illinois. So, you know, that one buck was the only one I killed all year. So, but it was a good year, man. It was a, it was a real good, good year for deer hunting, you know, after it started out so tough. That's the thing with deer hunting. It can be the the hardest season where you're not seeing anything, you're not getting any opportunity, and then in an instant, in five seconds, your entire season changes because a buck comes out of nowhere and it just happens so fast you kill him literally just like this buck. It was 10 seconds from a horrible season. You know, you're, you're down in the dumps because you're putting so much time and effort into it. And you don't think it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he appears. You kill him. And it's just like that. Everything changes. So it was a, it was a, it was a good year. And my brother's son, uh, his youngest son, came in. And he ended up killing a buck at the house, too. So three generations killed at the house. Five, five bucks. My dad, myself, and my brother, and then both of our youngest sons killed their their first buck so man that was awesome that was a that was the best deer deer season we've ever had there at at the home farm so good deal december man it was just duck hunting for me um that's what i've been doing in fact season just closed about a week ago so that's over or i should say season closed where our lease is in our middle in the middle zone here in missouri so that was a tough year, man. We had a really good lease this year, uh, flooded corn, which, you know, that's that's what you're looking for. But 
everything was at night. The ducks would come in and feed at night. We Early in the season, we started hunting in the mornings, and we would go out there and just blow 500 ducks out of our hole. So, And then you'd sit and you'd blow them back to the refuge, which is Duck Creek. That's probably a mile as the crow flies, as the duck flies, I should say. So that we'd blow them off there, and they'd just go – you know roost or whatever you want to call it just sit on the water there all day and then they come back at night so we started hunting evenings duck hunting on our hole and every now and then you'd get one or two ducks that would come in before shooting hours because shooting hours for ducks here in missouri is sunset unlike deer hunting it's a half an hour after sunset so with ducks it's sunset and it's like they knew it i mean you may get you may get lucky and kill one or two right before shooting hours are up, but you're working a dozen ducks. I mean, they're circling, circling, circling. I always set my alarm on my phone for the shooting hour when it ended, and when the phone goes off, well, you're done. So you you unload your gun and you sit there and watch, and then they just start flooding in in that last half hour of daylight. Like literally, we'll go out there and pick up our decoys, and they're almost landing on top of us. It's just, that's just how it was all year. But I don't know how many ducks we killed as a whole. There's 10 of us on this lease. I killed, I think, five or six the entire season out of this hole. So it was, it was tough, but it's, you know, I don't know. We just didn't have the weather, I think, was the main thing to get them to feed all day long. They just fed fed at night and that was it. You know, nothing ever froze up. So... Yeah, it was a it was a tough year, but I'm still duck hunting. Um, the South Zone is not too far from here. In fact, I'm I'm hunting there this week. We drew at a at a conservation facility, Ten Mile Pond. Uh, so we're gonna go down there and hunt some ducks there. Do it one more time there publicly, and then hopefully I can get out with Semo Outfitters. Um, Shane Garner, he's got a farm in illinois um he's not he's not outfitting there we're just going to go hunt it together and uh he may outfit it next year i don't know but uh he just invited me to go hunt with him in illinois so i'm going to do that and that should be that should be a lot of fun and then we're going to do some goose hunting here in about uh, in a couple few weeks, in about three weeks, actually, February 6th, the conservation order goes into effect for snow geese here in Missouri, and it's unlimited. So I'm going to hunt some snow geese here coming up, so that will be a lot of fun, and hopefully we can waylay them and uh, see what happens. But we still got regular goose season. That lasts until February, February 5th or 6th, and then the conservation order for snows comes in after that, but... Yeah, we've got where our duck hole is. It's, you know, there's some big wide open fields. And, you know, while we're duck hunting, we've got specks landing out there, some Canada's and, and snows out there as well. So we're going to try to kill some some geese during regular season, some Canada's and specks, hopefully, and uh, see what we can get done there before the conservation order. And then we can snow goose hunt. So I still got some hunting to do before, you know, it gets we get into spring, I guess, spring turkey season. So yeah, I still got some winter stuff going on. I'm going to try to kill some coyotes too. So we'll do that, but that's about it, man. Um, 
as far as how my hunting season went, it was, you know, I, it was a long winded talk there about my 2020 season, but it was up and down. Um, that's all I can say up and down, mostly down, but then some way up. So it was, a uh, overall, I guess it was, a uh, it was an okay year, 2020 hunting wise, you know, you can, a lot to be said about everything else that's gone on in 2020, but we won't get into that. So I'm going to wrap this thing up for today. I just wanted to mainly dust the podcast gear off and, um, you know, record a podcast here, put it on there, give you all an update on what's going on. Make sure you're aware we're coming back with these podcasts and we're going to start dropping some, some product podcasts with our partners, some partner podcasts. Um, I think the first one I'll have is Chris Ham from HHA. Um, so I'll have him actually tomorrow, I think tomorrow, the next day. So anyways, we're going to talk to Chris. He's going to tell us about what's new with HHA and what he's got going on um, with his foundation that he has, his charitable foundation and HHA USA, which helps veterans, which I love talking about. And then we'll probably talk to him about his hunting season as well. So that will be the next podcast. And then after that, we'll kind of we'll try to talk to Browning Trail Cameras, see what they've got going on. We'll hopefully talk to Browning as well to talk to them about their new guns and and uh, an exciting new round that's out uh, that they've created a new caliber whatever you want to call it um, the 6.8 Western I'm excited about that one so we'll talk about that um, and then we'll talk to our other partners so we got a lot going on uh, I'm going to wrap this thing up for today. So it was good to be back on here. I'm glad y'all gave it a listen. Be sure to hit that subscribe button one more time because you may have lost us in the past year since we've done this. It may went to sleep on you, but make sure you hit us up. And uh, if you want any, any more information on the Break TV show, you can hit us up on Facebook at Hunt the Break. Do that little at symbol, Hunt the Break. On Instagram, it's the same thing, at Hunt the Break. And then Twitter, I hardly even mess with that, but you can follow me there if you want to. It's the same thing, at Hunt the Break. And uh, YouTube, I'm going to put, put uh, all the 2020 episodes on YouTube here very soon. So you can watch those on demand. It's the Break TV page on YouTube, which is at Hunt the Break TV. So that's how you find us. But be sure to subscribe and follow us on all those platforms. We do appreciate it. I certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Out. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. 